all CEOs, me included, we don't actually know what we're doing. They're all sharks, so all you got to do, though, is no shark bait. I don't think we've ever talked about this before. <laughs> we can capture all of the wallet share. First place you start is with the product. That's just the first nut. This is the Capital Stack. Hey, everybody, this is David Pohl, the host of the Capital Stack podcast, where I talk to founders, operators, and investors about all things value creation and startups. Today, I am going to be speaking with the operator class of, of, of Persona, and I'm going to talk to a person that I've got extremely high regard for. Her name is Tori Barlow. She is a marketing genius. She has been Involved in one of the greatest comeback stories in MarTech, um, Allbound, which was you know just sold to Invictus Partners, and um, we're going to talk all about B two B customer acquisition and whatever else Tori wants to talk about. So, Ooh, this is great. I'm pumped. Thanks for having me, David. What do you want to talk about? Oh my god, what is there to talk about in marketing? It's like never changing, I guess. Right. Um, no, yeah, I think I think if we why don't we talk about the Allbound story? I, I had so much fun and I'm still having fun there. Uh, but maybe we could start there. Okay. So yeah, so tell me about how we met and where you came from and your your journey at Allbound. Yeah. Um yeah, so we met uh at my time at Allbound when we were there as well, uh, as an investor. Um and yeah, I came on what 2019 and uh, knew the CEO from a prior uh, work um, uh, relationship at PGI, Daniel Graf Radford. And he called me up one day and was like, Hey, do you want to do marketing for this startup based in Phoenix? Um, you know, it's like a what 20 person company at the time, and you can kind of, you know, unleash your marketing. And I was like, absolutely. I'd love to work with Daniel again. Um, so came on and, um, you know, at the time it was myself and a marketing specialist, Allie Spheric. Uh, Did he tell you about how much of a train wreck the company was before you joined? No, Daniel would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> so he wasn't telling you that it was a million and a half in revenue. It was churning about 50% of their customers. The majority of their customers were actually still in implementation and were sold something they didn't even know what it was <laughs> yeah no we i think i found out that after i joined um but nonetheless i'm still excited and and yeah we you know i think from a marketing perspective started really um from the ground up we can get to that maybe in a bit but um yeah it's been a whirlwind you know the last four four years i think it'll be four years this next month um and where i come from is I kind of ping pong. So I started at agency life, digital marketing, got my whole, you know, spiel in paid search, SEO, that sort of thing. Had no idea what that was when I first got started. Uh, then learned that, then went in-house to a, a large, you know, um, company, PGI in Atlanta, <clears throat> where I, you know, learned a lot of the SEO pieces from a management perspective and paid search. Then went back to agency and now I'm here at Allbound. So in-house and agency are kind of my thing, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. And so would you say like in the marketing profession, there is a ton of different disciplines, right? There's the branding, there's the strategy, there's content, there's demand gen. Where would you say that your skill set was really sharp? There's so much. Yeah. And I think it, it takes a lot to figure out like how you want to build a marketing team at a smaller company like Allbound was a couple of years ago. But yeah, I'd say I fall in the demand gen side pretty pretty well. Uh, that's where my background is and more of the digital marketing piece, I would say. Right. And so like you came in to lead a department, right, that essentially didn't have any metrics and um, nothing to really work off of. And I believe Allie was mostly doing a lot of content generation, right? Which was, you know, she was doing a good work with that. So tell me a little bit about like, what are the stepping stones and the foundations of building a marketing department? Yeah. How did you do it there? And like, what, what did you learn? Yeah. This is my favorite thing to think about and, and talk about. So when we first came on, you know, I think to your point, we were doing social media, maybe a couple emails were going out. And I'm a huge believer, you know, if you don't have a ton of budget, which we really didn't at the time from a marketing perspective, you got to start with what you can work with and your resources. So I hired one of my um, former colleagues at my previous agency to help us do some SEO. And SEO is, I think, the best investment you can get started with if you have you know, a smaller budget. So we were still doing content, but we were optimizing that content in a really technical way so that we can be found on Google. And that was the number one piece for us. The second thing we looked at was paid search. So paid search uh, at the time when I came on was super high level. What I mean by that is, you know, we sell a a partner portal um, to anyone who manages a partner team. And if you were to search, you know, so double click on that, tell me about the the Allbound platform and kind of what it was doing in the value proposition. Yeah, for sure. So Allbound um, is essentially a a portal for anyone who manages partners. Uh, If you have partners, they can log in, um, read about your company, uh, read about updated content, take onboarding certifications, and then, you know, register deals. The piece around if you're managing these partners, you understand, you know, the leading and lagging indicators of the successful partners. So you can therefore teach your other partners how to go fish. Um, so it manages that entire partner life cycle. Cool. Okay. And so, right. So that's a, now, so now going back to it, you were saying just keyword identification. Yeah, exactly. Keyword identification. So when we looked at the paid search account, which we weren't spending a ton, but if you have extra bucks, you know, first get a lay of the land of what you're doing on SEO and your content, optimize that, and then play around a bit in paid search. So on Google uh, is where we tend to see a good bang for our buck. But um, bid on keywords that, you know, could potentially see a good ROI and are maybe more what we call bottom of funnel So we were bidding on words, David, like, you know, how to set up a partner program. Obviously, we don't sell that. So we don't want to pay for that term. We want to sell for uh, or show up for terms like software, PRM software, partner portal software. So um, building that function out of what is your low hanging fruit and how do you really optimize that and pump more money into that is where we started. Uh, Everything else, I think, is is second, you know. If you were to talk to other marketers, I think everyone out there might have a different strategy on where to start 
And I think that's the beauty of marketing. But for us, what worked really well is like, what data is actually proving ROI? And then let's do more of that. We then were able to figure out, all right, this is how much an MQL costs. This is how much an opportunity costs. Where did we get that from? And then do we need more resources to build that out? Um, so my second hire was uh, a marketing specialist, Lauren, who really helped us produce <clears throat> even more content. So we figured out, hey, we're kind of getting to be the thought leaders here slowly, uh, but surely. So why don't we pump more money into content? And that helped us kind of catapult into the thought leader of the space uh, and winning the gets winning essentially with what we were seeing work. Cool. And so how were you able to like distribute your content? Because just posting it on your blog, I mean, that's one thing, but you really need to get it kind of out into the, into the network. So how did you think about using other people's distribution and, you know, providing value from that perspective? This is where it got so interesting. So yeah, you're right. We had a really small audience at the time and we could email people all day and that wouldn't do us any good. So we made a lot of friends and the way we did that was first, you know, I had no idea at the time, like who was a thought leader in our space, except for some of the analysts that we knew of. So made friends with them, first of all, and that also benefits you because you're letting them know about the product, what you're thinking about, you know, Daniel's vision at the time. And so you get to be friends with them, then they tell you who else in the space is a thought leader. And so we would make, we have like a huge Excel spreadsheet of all of these thought leaders that we've found. And by the way, they're all living on LinkedIn. So all you need to do is go on LinkedIn, comment or make friends connect and like genuinely ask them to be a part of your content, genuinely ask them like you did uh, today to come on your podcast, you know, and, and that's how they organically get to know you and tell their, their friends about you. That was kind of our strategy in the beginning. Cool. And so then you just kind of, you know, accelerated your learning while also producing the content. Yeah. Like I think we found those pockets of where's our ICP living. Like it's all about, community marketing is my thing right now. Like we could produce content all day, every day, but like, who is it getting in front of? No one, unless we are in the community. So we found these really good Slack groups, kind of like Pavilion, but for partner leaders. And so we're friends with those folks who man that Slack group. Um, We also... Um, I'm sure you, and that just, that just happened through discovery, right? Talking, getting on the phone. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no, um, cheat code for that. There's no cheat code. It's almost like we, we had to be sales reps for our brand. And like, that's so scary and daunting. Like marketers are definitely not salespeople at the end of the day, but you have to like doing the podcast. We also have a podcast and I, I run that. And I, I promise you like, that is such a good way to learn where your ICP lives and also what your ICP wants, you know? So <clears throat> starting a, a thoughtful content avenue was game changing for us. And then that like ripple effects into meeting all these other people. Yeah. And how did you think about your ICP? Like what kind of frameworks did you kind of go through to identify like what, 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 who you were attracting and who you wanted to attract? 
Yeah. Well, now, since we have a RevOps team, that's so much more data-driven. But back in the day, it was a bit more subjective. Um, we took a look at who our customers were and looked at those the firmographic data of our customers and also a little bit of subjective data from the CSMs and sales reps on A, who was the you know influencer or champion within the deal and B, who's the decision maker. So that piece wasn't as data-driven, but it really helped us paint a good picture of who our ICP was. Right now- and Like in, in that proverbial like product market fit, right? Like yeah. Is, like who loves the product and like who, how can we replicate that customer? Yeah, and then- uh, simultaneously, the CSMs did a really interesting study on who's actually in our software, using our software. And so we kind of mir- mirrored the two data analyses together. Um, but now with a few more dollars, we got a RevOps team and they use a tool called LinkedIn Sales Insights. And so we injected a lot of firmographic data into Salesforce to then back into like, who really is our ICP based on titles, et cetera, at a grander scale. Yeah. And like, what kind of, what kind of data set did you need to kind of like really feel good about that? Like how many, how many, what kind of sample size? Yeah, it's a good question. I think we, we used our, we had about 30,000 contacts in our Salesforce. So we just injected the data into our Salesforce. And of course, not all of those are going to be good fits. So um, we, we're able to break it out by region. So North America and then EMEA. Um, and it, it made us feel more confident with now tiering out accounts to AEs, SDRs to go fish. Prior to that, SDRs were just like, you know, crossing their fingers and looking on LinkedIn to see if maybe it's a good fit. And now we're sending them a list to actually work. That's so interesting. So it's like, you know, you kind of start with the product, you see who likes the product, you, you know, are trying to replicate that persona while at the same time parallel processing who's actually like, what, what are the keywords that you really want to identify to your, to your site, right? How do you want to get that traffic? And then, you know, pushing that through and, and testing, right. And, and doubling down on what works. So like, when did you, when did you feel like you had, um, when you were confident enough to, um, start exploring other channels. Like, you know, I, I'm a big fan of doubling down with what works before doing something different. So how did you think about that? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. I think I had an interesting experience because I came on right before COVID. And so at the end of 2019, I think we got a bigger budget for marketing. We were going to go to all these events for marketing in 2020 and then COVID happened. So we kind of had to dial that back and really we're limited to just the digital aspect with COVID. So we played around a lot with more paid search budget. We played around a lot with exploring on more top of funnel initiatives like LinkedIn, still being pretty targeted to our knowledge at the time, um, but playing around with bringing folks into the funnel and then nurturing them, which we hadn't really done before. And then um, the other piece was any third party activity. So we really tried to beef up our, you know, G2 at the time, trust radius. And we were number one and we focused a lot of our initiatives there and realized that you just don't really start anymore with typing in a keyword on Google, clicking it and then requesting a demo. Buyers are now 
looking on review sites or talking to friends or talking to their communities. And so we tried to like sprinkle ourselves within other platforms. Some of them were paid, some of them were free, but we spent resources and dollars there. Gotcha. And so, you know, Allbound was able to scale. Um, and like most B2B software um, companies, you know, there's just a ton of capital going into, into B2B SaaS. And there's a lot of money going into B2B SaaS tools, marketing enablement, sales enablement. I mean, how many, how many tools do you guys use? Yeah. Our, stack? our marketing stack is probably, uh, I want to say 12 to 15 just for marketing. So yeah, it's a big, it's a big industry for sure. It's a, it's a, it's a huge industry. And with that comes just, I think, just so much noise um, in the in, in any kind of sales motion, B2B sales motion. So I, I just partnered with a guy. Um, I just closed a deal and I partnered with somebody who really kind of focuses on partner-led growth, um, specifically within B, the B2B context. And I, I always was never a huge fan of partners for early stage companies just because the path to revenue was a lot harder. You kind of lose control. You know, they all sound good in the beginning, but you really don't know what they're doing until the very end. You know, you're, you don't, early stage companies don't really have their shit together, right? Mm -hmm. It's like run a, like a partner program. But when he explained to me the fact that it's more of a necessity than than anything because like how how many linkedin messages do you get i mean it's it's unbelievable so in like emails like it's just it's too much noise like you have to have a, a reliable like intro like in your ecosystem in order to like get past all of that so how, how are you seeing that in the market today yeah it, it's so interesting <laughs> i think i'll answer that in two angles uh the first angle is for our customers specifically, you know, I think there's definitely room to start a partner program depending on the product and depending on the types of partners you're really engaging with. We have customers that have scaled with us as startup, you know, 5 million ARR company that are now over 100 and they started with partners and they're 100% partner sourced. It just depends, I think, on a buy-in from the rest of your company and specifically your CEO and how much of a movement it is to really bring on partners, nurture them. You can't just like sign a contract anymore and have a partner agreement. Like it's just not going to work. So I think there's different. It costs money. Like, it costs yeah, money. Like you're just going to yeah. sign something and like all of a sudden all these deals are going to be thrown to you. Is, it's it's uh, like an actual relationship. You know, you have to nurture it and meet with them, whatever. The funny thing is we're starting um, our own partner program here at Allbound, and I'm excited to be a part of that and have helped um, uh, create that. But we're starting really small. Like we get requests all the time to partner with people and and we're being very choosy. And I think that's the the key to it. Um, so we're starting with referral partners and literally like two, you know, nothing immense, but we're already starting to see the fruit of that labor. And the way that we're going about it is we're doing something called account mapping um, using a tool called Reveal, where you're able to reveal both of your CRM customer and prospect data um, 
in a very like privacy friendly way, but it can tell you like who you can co-sell, who you should co-sell with, um, Mm -hmm. who to go after. And like you create the strategy even before having to think of a strategy. So that's where we've started. I love that. What a great product. Yeah. I recommend it for anyone. Yeah. So how do you know and how do you identify a good partner? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I think you have to first as a company think through like, what are your goals and, you know, what are your company goals? And if you're off like on a different Island as a partner manager, thinking through, Hey, I want to bring on these partners. You might just be kind of running in circles at the end of the day. You really have to figure out what are your company goals and then what are the goals to bring on partners? You could do a tech partnership. You could do a referral partnership, but like, is that aligned with the company goal? It might not be. So I think you first have to identify that. And then when you look for partners, the thing that we always see as a key measure of success is, do you have the same story? Do you have the same values and the same vision as that partner? Because guess what? At the end of the day, you're going to go to market with them and you're going to, you know, share content with them. Like you better be aligned with your message. Otherwise it could fall flat. Yeah. And so like, what, what are the conversations that need to happen? Like when you're, when you're, you know, distilling that, I mean, are you, whose job is it to lay out the communication cycle and the communication motion and the meetings and stuff? Like where are the frameworks and how do you think about that? Yeah, I think it takes two to tango. I think what I've learned is you got to give before you get, so give more. Um, but I think if you want this to work, you have to put in the effort. And so that's what we're kind of doing over at, you know, all bound where we've seen our customers really thrive is like, you have to really set the stage with a lot of standards and high expectations. So we meet every other week uh, with our partners. We think through ownership items, who's going to own what, how do you get in front of the right people at either company? So for us, how does our partner meet with our CS and sales team to introduce products or services to prospects? What does that look like? Um, it's it's really like all woven into the entire organization, but you got to do your your work and you can't just have it rely on the partner. Now, if you have more than one partner or several hundred, then you have to prioritize who you're going to invest time in and how you're going to really, you know, think through um, effort and content that you create, that sort of thing. But that, I think, comes down further in the line. Cool. And so what are you excited about in the next 90 days, year in the B2B landscape? Yeah. <laughs> uh, personally, I'm pumped that we're all getting back into events. I think speaking from the all bound side, like we've found a few good events that we're really excited about. I think event marketing is to your point earlier, like that's a whole nother conversation and there's so much you could do with event marketing, but What's worked for us and, and starting small is is finding those pockets where our ICP is 100% there. So, you know, not these large trade shows, not these large events, but like more intimate four to 500 people that are our exact sweet spot of titles, ICP that we want. So we're getting back into the, the swing of things there and we're strategically like using our tiered account list to invite people to go to those events. So we have conversations and, and really getting back out there. Um, 
that's one thing I'm excited for. And then the other piece is just that community marketing. I, I mentioned earlier, like I, I'm so excited to actually talk to folks on LinkedIn, engage with them and have true conversations. Like it is truly a game changer when you break that wall and it's scary. Like I, it's not really who I am, but I love just talking to these people and learning from them. Um, so those are two things that stand out that I'm super pumped about for the year. Let's get it. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. Tori, a couple of canned questions for you. What is your favorite book? Yeah. my Is it a business book or any book? Whatever you want. Okay. Uh, my favorite book as of now is Stephen King's The Outsider. Um, I don't know. It's one of his newer ones. Yeah. He did a, he did not him, but there was a HBO show with Jason Bateman um, based on it. So if you haven't seen it, check it out. I like it. Mm -hmm. And what about business book? Business book would be marketing book. Yeah. Oh, well, I feel like this kind of applies to marketing, but it's how to make friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. I feel like that's like very, yeah. Timeless. Yeah. yeah. Classic. So what is the best piece of business advice you've ever received? The best piece of business advice. There's a lot, but the top one that stands out is. Don't take anything personally in business. All right. All right. Hard to do. Yes. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming, Tori. We drop an episode every Tuesday on all your favorite platforms, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple. If you like it, please subscribe, tell a friend, cancel me, do whatever. <laughs> See you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Capital Stack Podcast. Make sure to share this with someone you know that can benefit from this content. Remember to support this show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. David Paul is the founder and general partner at DWP Capital. All opinions expressed by David and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of DWP Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. David and guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed on this podcast.